0: Amen. Amen. Morning, friends. It's good to be in the house of God with you together today, is it not? Can we agree on that? Uh, Before I dig into "Dare to Wonder, in two weeks from today, we're going to try something new. Okay? So, uh, typically what we do, or have been doing for quite a while, is uh, you can fill out prayer cards, and then either Alfredo or I will pray for those. So, two weeks from today, here's what the... Uh, encounter committee would like to, to transition to, I've I've got this really nice leather bound gold edged, I suppose, uh, book. And this will be in the porch area right out front. So when you dr- walk in, I almost said drive in, don't do that. When you walk in, uh, when you walk in, um, write your prayer requests on this, and then um, the ushers will bring those down to us, and we'll use this uh, to collate prayers and then pray for the prayers of the people. We're going to start that the 19th of May, so that's two weeks from today. Does that make sense? So I appreciate your uh, patience with that and help in that transition. Can't do it without you. So we're looking forward to, to that. Okay, Dare to Wonder. I love that title. I've got to be honest with you. Dare is a really challenging way to say please wonder, please wonder about things of faith. Never stop questioning, pondering, contemplating, thinking. The, the, the Jewish rabbis have a tradition called Midrash, and within Midrash, they have this amazing phrase called turn the jewel. And I don't know if you know this or not, but if you have a diamond ring on your finger, if you look at that ring, There's certainly a ring there, but if you turn it ever so slightly, there's another cut and another edge. You can see that diamond from a different perspective. Scripture's a lot like that. A lot of the texts that we're so familiar with, we read it and understand it and hear it from a perspective, but then life changes. You are different. Our context is different. Turn the jewel. The text may mean something different. That's why I love the Word of God. It's fresh and new every single day, in every single generation, in every single life of individuals, and in the life of this church and the capital C church. Turn the jewel. Isn't that a fun phrase? So that's really what Dare to Wonder uh, caps, encapsulates the, the uh, possibility of turning the jewel, seeing the world from a different perspective as the word of God leads us to engage and encounter that uh, through the eyes of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if it's because, well, it's probably because I'm getting older, you know. I've got all these images coming back from years and years ago with my own children, and mostly because this little grand baby named Cora, whose name means heart, by the way, core. I'm a teacher that her name means, Cora, you have a big old heart for everybody. So she does things, and it just jogs memories of things that I've long lost, forgot, since forgotten, right? When our oldest daughter, Jessica, was, oh my goodness, two and a half, three years old. Your guess is as good as mine. She was just learning to walk and talk at the same time. Let's put it that way. We lived in a mobile home park. We were, I was doing my master's degree, and, and actually, Jessica grew up, and she still kind of holds that against us. And it's got, do, it's got something to do with an Eminem song, I think. Um, if you know what I'm talking about. But I loved living in that mobile home. And I would come home from graduate school just in time to tag out Dawn who would then go to work and she'd go to work from 3 in the afternoon until 11.30 or 12 o'clock at night. So that was our, you know, that was our rhythm for uh, a year. And I would come home and I'd get out of my 1982 Toyota Corolla which I loved that car because I could, I could actually change the alternator which I did a couple of times because you can find things in those older vehicles, right? And I'd get out of my car, I'd close the door, and Jessica would be at the door, and I'm walking up the steps to open the front door, and Jessica, oh, I remember it now like it was yesterday. Daddy's home! My daddy's home! And she'd run up, and she'd, you know, she's only this tall, right? She'd grab me by the legs, face through here and give me a big old hug and I'd pat her on the top of the head because even then my back was starting to hurt (laughs) you know and then she she'd step back away and she'd wobble a little bit and she'd fall down on her on her behind I love that image and i would forgotten about it I was thinking about that this week to me that's worship you know, we run into the arms of Christ and we, we get a hug and we give him a hug and, and then our eyes traverse up just the magnitude of how big God is in Jesus Christ and we cannot help but fall down and say, God, I worship you. Dare to wonder is to turn the gem and to continue to fall on our face because of the new revelations that God gives us and the ways in which we Ought to be able to engage our world these days for Christ. Now, we can probably all agree that we live in a world of tsunami like change, right? In fact, we don't even like saying the word change, let alone doing it. I was at a conference recently and the the topic was change, and we had all just sat down around our table. And the leader said, all right, before we get started today, I just, I just want you to stand up and switch seats somewhere ar- around here. And, of course, we all did this, right? Now imagine if I asked you to do that right now. Just stand up and go sit somewhere else. Right? No, you don't do it. It'll take too long. We got other stuff. But when I asked you to do that, what went through your mind? No way, man. And we were the same way. I was a little bit late. You know, You was next. You ever asked yourself that recently? Whose perspective do I trust? Who do I listen to? Who's got truth? Dare to wonder. Please wonder. One of my favorite stories, I know I've shared this with you before, but in terms of exponential growth, Intel, from Intel's first generation microchip to today, it's improved about 4,000 times in performance. It's about 90,000 times more energy efficient. It's about 60,000 times less in cost. So Intel's uh, tech people decided they wanted to try to make this real and their engineers did a rough calculation of what would happen to a 1971 VW Beetle. Can you remember those? I came home in a 1963 Volkswagen Beetle. It was white with, with red interior. I can remember driving around as a, as a young boy in that car. Here's what they came up with. That Beetle would be able to go 300,000 miles per hour gets better. It would get 2 million miles per gallon of gas. And it would only cost you when you go to the Volkswagen dealer to buy, are you ready? Four cents. I want that car. What? We sell 100 and whatever, 75 today, right now. You could drive that car your entire life on one tank of gas that you bought for four cents. I love that. That's how fast technology changes. That's how fast information changes. It doubles about every two years. We live in a world of exponential change. And in the midst of that, which story, which narrative, which news outlet, which pundit do I, can I, will I trust? That is a good question, dare to wonder. I don't know. I might be willing to trust the Avengers right about now. I'd like to suggest we can trust this and we can trust the author of this. I'd like to give us three reasons why we can trust this. Above all else, and I'd like to do that in a couple of ways this morning. Number one, I want to do a little teaching. It's going to be a little academic. Hang with me. I hope I can make this plain and simple. And then I, want to, uh, I just want to bring it at the end. Is that all right? I think we can trust God's word for three reasons. Ready? Reason number one, the data authenticates it. The data authenticates it. Can I get that first slide, please? Now, when we talk scientifically about data being able scientific data being able to authenticate scriptures, I want us to look at the total number of manuscripts that we have available. Just hang with me, this is the teaching moment. The sheer number of copies that we have of extra biblical literature. Take a look at a few of these. This is, uh, we have seven copies of anything written by Plato. We have 10 copies of anything written by Caesar. We have 20 copies of anything written by Livy. 49 copies of anything written by Aristotle, 193 copies of anything written by Sophocles, 643 copies of anything written by Homer, and we've read things in English Lit, right? We've read some of these authors. No one in the world disputes the authenticity of these texts, even though these are the number of texts that we have of these documents. Science says you need 10 copies of any ancient text for it to be reliable. 10 copies only. Did you hear that? You only need 10, count them, 10, act like you're in Sesame Street, 10 copies of any ancient author for it to be scientifically verifiable and authentic. The only one really in question here is Plato. And yet no one still disputes Plato. You ever read his Republic? Allegory of the Cave? Right? Now the other interesting thing about these texts is they have a distortion rate, on average, cumulatively, of about 4.9%. It's on the back of your worship folder. I gave you all the heavy details. So the distortion rate is about 4.9% of the time there's incongruencies and you need 10 copies for it to be authentic, right? Nobody disputes this stuff. You want to know about the New Testament? It'll blow your your mind. The New Testament has, now keep in mind, 10 and 4.9% distortion rate. All I want to do today is encourage you that you can trust this. That's it. Just a little bit of encouragement. And if you don't trust this thing, you're welcome here. Consider this there are 5,633 Greek versions of the New Testament. It's a little bit more than 10, just a couple more than 10. In Latin, the Vulgate, and Syriac, there are, are you ready, 24,633 versions of the New Testament. Add both those up. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, this is why I'm a pastor. It's roughly 30,000 manuscripts. You only need 10 for scientists to say it's authentic. Now let's go to the distortion rate because these, it was a 4.9% distortion rate. You know what the New Testament distortion rate is? You're going to love this. Ready? Drum roll, please, Greg. One-fifth of one percent. One-fifth of one percent. So just by the sheer number of copies, the data seems to authenticate it. But that's not all. Let's go to a second type criteria because this one is also important. Scientists look at the time interval between when it was written and when the, first, the earliest manuscript that they have of that writing is available. Did you understand that? The time difference between when it was authored and when we have a first copy of that. So it's about dating. The time interval between when it was articulated and the earliest copy that we have. That time interval. Go to the next. Yeah, thank you very much. You guys are rocking it. Here we go. Aristotle, right? his ethics. Anybody read Aristotle's ethics? I have. The time interval, 1,400 years. Herodotus, haven't read that, I'm not going to lie, 1,300 years. Plato, read that, 1,200 years. Tacitus, glanced at that, haven't read the whole thing, 950 years. Next slide. Caesar's war annals, Eight hundred and fifty years Homer, we've all read, or many of us have. Four hundred and fifty years, Virgil, Dante, right? That whole crew. Two hundred and fifty years. Significant. You want to know the difference in the New Testament? You ready? Well, you can tell right there. About fifteen to thirty years. Most of the time, people say 20. Wow, friends, we can trust this thing because the data authenticates it. It does. I just want to encourage you in your faith. You can trust this thing. Better than your favorite news outlet. I guarantee it. All right. So that's the first reason we can trust this. Secondly, Scripture itself declares it. Let's take a look at a text, 2 Timothy 3. If we can have it on the screen. And I think it's important for all of us just to read this together. Would you read this with me as I lead? But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Here it is. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture God-breathed Second reason you can trust this text right here is it's breath it came from the very breath of God. It came from the breath of God. It can be trusted. You can build your life on it. My middle brother Matt who I loved dearly, he was kind of the class clown in the family, he played the middle son role perfectly. You know, I tended to be the responsible one. Matt was the class clown and Dan was the quiet one. Psychiatri- or Psychologists say, perfect. I remember Matt, when we were kids, we took this trip from the Midwest all the way to the West Coast, and we were up and down on Highway 1 and just checking it out. I know I've mentioned this before, but one image that just sears in my brain I'll never forget. We were out on one of the beaches one afternoon just playing, and, and when we got to the beach, the tide was out, and then we didn't really know anything about tides, right? We're from the Midwest where they got lakes. We don't know anything about tides. we were out there having a good time. My parents were just glad to be rid of us out of the car, I think. We're out there having a good time, Matt was the rambunctious one, he was out playing on on one of the rocks out in the water and, and the tide starts rolling in and you don't really realize how this happens until it's almost a little bit too late. I can remember my parents realizing that Matt was on this rock and the tide was getting higher and higher and higher and he wasn't that great of a swimmer all things considered because the Midwest has lakes, not undercurrents. My dad yelled out to my brother, Matt, Matt, stay on the rock. Stay on the rock, buddy. My brother was the kind of guy that Matt that would lift weights for five minutes and check out his production (laughs) in the mirror for ten or fifteen. And if he were here, he'd laugh and he'd be a little embarrassed, but he wouldn't say anything because he'd know it'd be true. And my brother Matt, he spread eagle down that rock and he just dug in until some people could go and help retrieve him and bring him back. We can do that with this book right here Stay on the Rock. When we don't know whose opinion to trust. Because I don't. Except this. Well, that's not all. Um, We've got this person in Scripture. His name is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God incarnate. The data authenticates it. The Scriptures declare it. Jesus just downright performs it. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 10, 9, I and the Father are one. See Jesus, see God. How do you see Jesus? Check out this book. How do you know this book is true? The data authenticates it. That might be a pundit worth listening to in a world of tsunami-like change. There's a port in Europe that's known to be quite treacherous. You can't just sail your ship in. There's rocks, shallow rocks. You can't just sail right in and call it, dock up, throw in the lines and call it a good day. In order to successfully navigate the treachery of this channel to get into dock, uh, engineers and navigators built three lights through the channel. And the captain of the ship has to start quite a ways out before he makes his way into this channel, and before he makes his way into the channel, he has to make sure that all three of these lights line up and look as if they are one light and follow that course. And that's the only way to navigate the treachery hidden unbeknownst to most anyone until it's too late under the water. who can I trust? I can trust God through Christ as revealed in this book because the data argues it's trustworthy and all three of those lights must add up to be able to navigate a tsunami-like world of incredible change. May this Encourage you in your walk with Christ this day. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Can't say everything we need to say, but sometimes friendly reminders are just enough to encourage us and counter the narratives that we hear six days a week, to hear a counter narrative one day a week that allows us to let go of anxiety and fear, and live in faith, and live in trust, And live in followership and discipleship so that we can alleviate the anxiety and fear of our neighbors that live right next door. Because, God, you're trustworthy. Jesus performs it, Scripture declares it, science, the data authenticates it. Strengthen our faith this day, in and through these words. In your strong name we pray. Amen. This morning's choir anthem, In the Presence of Jehovah, which is another name for our creator God, is a perfect piece for us to center ourselves as